0: Clapping at, uh, 35. 35. Mm.
1: Clapping at 34 instead. Good. Good. Is that your Zach Allen impression? <laughs> Lena. Lena. <laughs> Lena. Lena. <laughs> Lena. Lena, I've got a bowl full of cashews in my office. <laughs> they I think I'm going to crack into it. exactly what he appears. I it's the same I mean. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why
0: don't you eliminate the entire non-homo? I was a
1: great reaching out of
0: the stomach. Who are
1: President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These march orders march.
0: have forced us to declare independence. Defense That's why people get off their encounter suited butts and do something. You are
1: the one who you do Zahadu, you will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our We are here to place President Clark under
0: arrest. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season six, Chatsalon 5. My name is Alan, and everyone knows that the true source of pain is neither the hand nor the heart. It is the mouth and the podcasts that originate from words, which originate from the mouth. Anyways, <laughs> that's what we do here. What's up? Mouth sounds.
1: I, uh, every single thing that Jakar says across both of these episodes is perfect.
0: Everything that Jakar says yeah. is perfect.
1: We actually, he's with me here in the studio, believe it or not. Oh, hey, Jakar. Hello. No, no that was me impersonating him this is really jakar now i'm so okay, sorry okay. That was yeah don't really, don't,
0: don't impress he's right there Be right uh, hey jakar how's it going
1: greetings Ooh. <laughs> who's your
0: favorite member of the babylon five cast uh citizen jakar besides yourself obviously
1: my people have pondered this question for many a generation <laughs> i don't know why i put myself in this position i i don't have a jakar yet i'm sorry i lied to you Jakar's not here he was he um he was late he's running late he's in in traffic he's coming back from
0: spin class
1: yeah he's coming back from spin class he says it really helps him work on his delts nope see i gotta wait for him to show up (laughs) it's not
0: it's not there he's not just an old man though
1: i know i know i'm i know <laughs> malari <laughs> so fun to do <laughs> oh gosh
0: you know what else is fun to do john
1: what this podcast yeah
0: this podcast, this where, podcast we talk, where we talk
1: we talk about tv, about TV shows. shows every single week every we keep doing week. this
0: Go ahead. <laughs> thanks <laughs> Every week we talk about two episodes of a cult classic TV show. And this week we continue our journey through Babylon 5 Season 5 with Season 5 Episode 9, In the Kingdom of the Blind. We also watched Season 5 Episode 10, A Tragedy of Telepaths. In the Kingdom of the Blind was written, as always, by J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by David J. Eagle. It aired David, March 18th, 1998, and it takes place David May 27th to the 31st of 22, a sickest 2 what happened in The Kingdom of the Blind?
1: Well, Alan, in this episode... Byron and the telepath colony bring an ultimatum to the Interstellar Alliance. Londo returns to Centauri Prime with Jakar as his bodyguard and discovers intrigue and dangers in the royal court. Alan, what do you think of "In the Kingdom of the Blind"?
0: Daddy, like your reading of that summary.
1: Oh, really? Get yeah, kind of you. That was a good. That was a good reading of the summary. Mama mia,
0: that is fair enough. My my, no, I. Uh, there's the a lot of plots
1: on this episode.
0: There's a lot of um, uh, plots kind of j- being juggled between both of these episodes. They kind of are too, It's like a continuation. yeah, yeah I think so. If um, part but one, part two. The I would say the Centauri Prime stuff is probably my favorite plot lines oh, across yes. both of these. Oh yes. Uh, I was sometimes impressed, sometimes frustrated with the telepath stuff, though. So I'm I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, what about you, Missyul?
1: I agree one hundred percent. I was telling you that the this new version of Londo Jakar, where they're just finally, they're just buds and they're working together oh my god it is so fulfilling and i love every i love all of it and we're going to talk about every single scene of it i think in depth and just pick it apart and and cherish it and then blessedly uh byron i think becomes less important in the byron plot yeah weirdly which makes the byron plot better So
0: you're not a Byron fan is what you're saying?
1: He's just boring. I mean, we talked about this before last week that he doesn't really serve uh, much of a purpose, right?
0: He's not a very magnetic character. Uh, You don't like feel excited when he's on screen other than just because it feels especially because it feels like, you know, where his arc is going the moment he's on screen, too. You're like, this guy's going to get weirdly mad about this thing. He's going to fight people. He's going to threaten them. He's going to tell his people not to do violence. And then they're going to do a violence. Yeah. And then all of that happens. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. But things that we don't really know about yet, the episode actually opens, like the cult open, is a seemingly unimportant little side note about some unknown attackers blowing up cargo. Uh, We learned at the end of this first episode that those are Centauri ships. Because there's a moment where Londo's like, oh, man, what happened to the ships? And they're like shooting people. And they're like, no, like they're shooting um, civilians. Mm -hmm. and this is weird because we're like wait why are the centauri fighting people but that's not dealt with in these episodes so that's just kind of a plot that's like placed in the playing field and then dropped for now um but meanwhile on centauri prime londo is explaining his new hot foreign boyfriend to all the centauri nobles who are really trying not to do a racism but they really just are racist um there's an aide on the planet named jano 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 uh, who tells Lando that Verena's, Verini has been acting really strange and severe and dangerous. Um And this is a scene that affected me a good amount. I actually was surprised how, how affected I was just because, like, Verini's been a gag character mostly and just, like, a ridiculous guy. And we've known that he's had the shadow thing around his neck for a while now. But getting to see the effect of it and watching him, like, drink even the londo says he never ever drank before i think he mm-hmm. says like sobriety was his only vice yeah
1: the only vice he cultivated yeah because like everybody drinks it's so normal to drink that being sober is this like ooh, so, yeah that's your little
0: thing wow and he's so he's always it's so like funny and charming and now you're just watching him like be angry and and confused and like he's losing it and it's God, really sad he
1: sells it so well he really does. The dude who's playing uh,
0: it. Uh, and Jono walks in on him, and then Jono gets attacked by a shadow thing. Uh, later, Lando and Jakar, again, now the buddy mystery solvers of the of the of the show, uh, find his body like strung up somewhere. They're, it's weird because they're looking up, but we never see what is up with his body. Mm-hmm. Like they're looking at Cameron. And he, they're like, "Man, that's really gruesome." What they did to j- to Jono, and you're like, "I don't." It's a little scary that they're just all they had to do is look up, and suddenly I'm like, Is he hanging? Is he huh. like torn apart? What
1: is what happened to him? Explicitly? I, it was supposed to look like a suicide, like he hung himself. Oh, that makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. And then Jakar and Londo were like, No, because then Jakar says, uh, I examined his eyes when he came in. This did not seem like the kind of man who would have ended his own life. Or there something. you go. That's better. And then Londo's like, uh what's the guy's name Jono. yeah Jono would never kill himself (laughs) i can't i'm gonna stop um but yeah they're they're saying like this dude clearly didn't commit suicide some some sinister's afoot
0: right and uh they're dealing with that and also again just this older centauri being super racist towards jakar um one of them has white hair he's got like old people hair which is just weird because we've had
1: like old centauri before but yeah. never white haired centauri but this guy's like the 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 taylor hicks of oh you had to hit <laughs> me with the taylor hicks
0: and lando's the constantine barolis yeah i got you who i don't think he even won he got like
1: third place in like season four <laughs> i think lando's the clay aiken of the centauri
0: I have a lot of deep American Idol, like old characters or contestants, in my head. Yeah. But I recently found out that Katy Perry got in trouble a couple years ago because she kissed a 19-year-old without asking him on the show once.
1: Did you hear oh, about this? No. The We're such a the radio performers? show. Did you hear about this? <laughs> <laughs> did you read this?
0: Uh, basically, he was in. He was auditioning. He had his guitar. And then he was like, ah, I sometimes I have trouble with love songs because, like, I've never like been in love with anyone. Like, I've never been with anyone or kissed a girl before." Oh
1: no! And Katie she was Perry, like, "Really?" And she was like, "You can't do that, Katy Perry."
0: You can't do that because he came. He came up to her and then he like kissed her on the cheek, and then she was like, "No, you did it wrong." And then he's like, "What?" And then as he turned, she kissed him on the lips, and it was like, "Ooh, you just gave that boy his first kiss without asking. What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. She got some heat. And then there was the whole like, if a guy did it, so you know. The world is great. But back to Babylon 5. Uh, These guys are racist. They're, like, really intense because they bring Jakar before and the man who whipped him. They're like, hey, this is the guy who did it. This is, like, the guy who, like, struck you. Here's the whip. You can do whatever you want to him, and we're going to let you. And I guess it's a power play. I guess it's, like, them trying to, like, either – Show him that they're okay, or like ch- prove that the Narn are actually still like awful people. Yeah, seemed
1: it. Seemed like that's what it was that they they wanted the satisfaction of saying, like, "Look, you're still a, a vicious creature."
0: Right, and he uh, he says the line that I call I said earlier, which is, "Everyone knows the true source of pain is neither the hand nor the heart; it is the mouth, minister." Which is very good, very good. Yeah. Uh so the boys are I, love, I just
1: war- want to say I love. I mean, this is why you why you adore Jakar as a character, because these guys try to humiliate him and make him look, you know, uh, totally driven by his his id and and like an animal. Basically, that's what they want out of him, and then he busts out like this fucking Shakespearean soliloquy that is so over their heads that they're like, "What? What? Huh?" the heart uh, the heart Hold i on. guess that I'm, sounds I'm, right, right? I'm, <laughs> I, I can't really think about the metaphor as quickly as he's crafting it and then <laughs> i'm all, confused and all, all the ladies are like Ooh, oh my god who's mommy this very leg. intelligent man
0: yeah the this this like plot line deals with racism in a more interesting way i think than any 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 of the telepath stuff has yeah just because it's like it shows more how uh, this stuff can be institutionalized and like understood to be normal for normal. I guess normalized is the word there. Yeah. Uh, normalized for so long that people don't even realize that they're doing it sometimes. Right. But when given the opportunity, opportunity, it's like, yes, I will absolutely do a hate crime or make this person or try to prove that this person is a savage or whatever you want to like. You have right. Charge term like you the
1: Centauri use, of so deeply internalized. Well, obviously, this is how the Narn are
0: right exactly
1: and that has motivated a lot of their actions towards the Narn um, and so it's cool to see like this was Dylan's intention right of having mm-hmm. Jakar go with Londo to the the court was to begin the work of deconstructing these racial biases from the top down exactly uh,
0: so uh, Jakar is now I wrote here the anime protagonist stereotype because him and Londo are hanging out and he's just eating food all the time and yeah. then uh, some assassins come for Londo, which is exciting. And Jakar stays behind to hold them back. I didn't think Jakar was going to die here, obviously. But I was like, oh, my God, he's already, like, doing a heroic sacrifice. I guess he's doing his job. Like, that's yeah, what he has to do as a bodyguard.
1: I mean, that you know, that's the moment that really... Because I think, you know, up to that point, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, Londo and Jakar are hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that Jakar is his bodyguard because... It makes sense. Like, what else would he be in the context of the Centauri royal court? But, like, he's not really his bodyguard. That's not really his job.
0: Because who's going to assassinate Londo?
1: Yeah, who's going to assassinate Londo? And also, like, why would Jakar ever, you know, do that for Londo? Right. But then in this moment, you're like, oh, oh, he's. He's really doing it.
0: He's a bot. He guards his body. He's, gu-
1: he's guarding his body. He's gonna, he's gonna get himself killed, saving Londo's life. Or he's ready to do that.
0: Right, exactly. He's like, stay. B- I'll stay behind. Go ahead, Reg. Run. The part I you found were it, the bar I found it says, really.
1: Run. I found it really moving because Londo also, I think, <laughs> was as surprised as I was, and he turns around. He's like, Jakar- wait, Jakar, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, Jakar? No door closed. Card um,
0: yeah. dead? Not really. You know, he's damaged, but all right. Uh, and Lando, once he's left alone, uh, the the white haired Centauri is like, you know, Lando, I always did want to be Ember, anyways, and I hate you, and you brought this awful Narn onto our place, thinking that that could work, and it <clears throat> didn't work. So take this, and he throws a throwing knife, like it's a freaking <laughs> like a medieval fight or something. Yeah. Uh, right. the The knife is frozen in midair. Londo looks to his left, and there's just a red-eyed, dark, dark-shaped well, figure. Well, it
1: freezes him in air, and then it spins around and goes and kills him,
0: and flips and kills the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lando's like, "Who is that?" And then the red-eyed figure disappears,
1: uh, which is like kind of spooky, right? Yeah. I I mean, so th- these are the Drock, right? I think so. I, I yeah, think... I have no reason to believe they're not. Um, so I guess the Drock have telekinesis. Is that is that what we're being led to believe?
0: Did you think for a second when you saw this scene that Jakar like unlocked his telepathic abilities? No,
1: no, I did not. <laughs> there was I a didn't. millisecond where I was like, oh, "Wait!" and then I was like, "Oh no, no I'm stupid." No, of course I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the the Jock definitely have some sort of telekine- telekinesis. <clears throat> um, at least from what we understand, it's nice to have an actual legit mystery this late into the series like oh my god i really like don't know the full story here and what's gonna happen
1: yeah i i'm scared because i guess this happens in the second episode when verini says that they saved londo is that the second one uh is that verini one? well no, no 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 the the stuff this is like the next scene is the part where he talks
0: to Verini? Because most of the second episode, I don't think he's talking to Varini. He's talking about with and stuff. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. So Verini's like, yeah, we saved, they saved you because uh, they think that you're like them and they like you. <laughs> Which is really dark, yeah, that's, right? That's scary. That's super scary.
0: Like, thanks, Lando. Thanks for being a pal. Thanks for being a, because what happens is Londo realizes the order of operations is he realizes the regent is gone. His whole, re- like, thing to talk the person he was going to talk to here uh is not there it's a ruse and he's like we don't know where no one actually knows where verini is they were just like bringing you here to kill you and then verini is like like his hand comes from off screen and is like come here londo and Lando and jacargo over and he like you said he speaks for the shadows being like yeah dude you're you're basically their twin they love you you're cool big fan um he like apologizes he's like having all these different moods come to him and different personalities inhabiting. And then uh, he says that they have a, mas- a message for Londo, which is that we know you've been asking about our supplies and ships. Let it go. Yeah. I got, I was scared, to be honest with you. I was a yeah. little bit scared.
1: So the guy that got killed was the like data guy. Yes. The numbers guy. Uh-huh. So something's going on. They're gearing up for something.
0: Yeah, that's why I think the my my like simple prediction, just based on what we've seen, is that the Centauri ships are actually like the Drak ordering people. Yeah, to like make people think that the Centauri are bad. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that seems pretty pretty Safe straightforward. Bet. Like that's gonna happen. Yeah,
0: and then I don't know if this is to imply that Varini's killed, but he turns a corner and then the red, presumably the red-eyed figure, like twists the brakes around his neck even tighter. I don't think he's being strangled to death here. I think he's just—it's just like we still he's being control. Punished, him. yeah. Yes, even though he's like, I didn't tell him anything. You told me not to. Um, and then we end this episode. At least we end this plot line on. Uh, <laughs> I loved the blocking of this scene because it's Lando looking up in bed at like three in the morning, hmm. and he's telling Jakar, who you can only understand is to be, is sleeping on the floor, literally right next to him. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I just want to see just Jakar's in his sleep- sleeping, his sleeping bag. Sleeping bag, yeah. <laughs> he's got his, like, little nightcap. Not literally, but he might as well have, like, a nightcap and a teddy bear. And Londo's like, Jakar, we're ending the trip. We're going back to Babylon 5. I don't trust any of these fuckers. And he says, I'm frightened fr- frightened by this palace for the first time ever. Yeah. And this is the part where he looks up, and he says, I wonder what's going on with the ships. And, like, the, sh- the, the camera pans up through the ceiling, and Centauri ships are firing on innocence. And you're like, ooh, something is fucky in
1: Centauri Prime. Yeah. And then they played 20 minutes of SMK and then talked about how sometimes they get really sad. <laughs> the way boys, the way boys talk. Yeah. Um,
0: I love this mystery, dude. This, this like Centauri prime mystery plot is just so juicy and fun. Uh, and Londo and Jakar are like the definitive makers and shakers for this kind of plot. I couldn't ask for a better like choice of people for this. Yeah. Uh, so we don't really know where that's going to go, but the the rest of this episode is like we were saying uh, telepath stuff. Um, Sheridan and company are worried about the security report with the whole, the like who's attacking the ships. And then uh, Byron is like kissing Lita and he's like, I'm going to become a martyr and probably die. He doesn't actually say that, but that's what you're to understand. Um, he fights with Garibaldi about like his, his sort of methods. And uh, finally in front of everybody in the council, uh I really like seeing the Alliance logo, by the way. We get a like a l a big shoddy alliance logo behind everyone. It's honestly a little bit fascist, the way that it's like a bunch of people on an elevated like pulpit, and then there's like the people that they speak to. It's just the imagery, you know, it's the thing that they're kind of conjuring. Um and he says, Hey guys, hey members of the uh of the council. Um You guys are gonna do what we say and let us take back the Moral Homeworld because I have had telepaths monitoring every single member of you, and now they know all of your deepest, darkest secrets that you don't want other people to know. And if you don't let us, uh, we can just we just control information. We don't need this violence. It's just information. It's fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Which, yeah, I think the way this these this pair of episodes um, pa- empowers the telepaths with their abilities is really scary. Because again, it they're rarely using it to like hurt people it's all like thought crime and uh and collection of information
1: yeah and as as uh sheridan delen and i think garibaldi's in the conversation maybe as they talk about like it's possible that they actually didn't learn anything that uh sensitive information wise because or they tele- just said that because telepaths can only scan your surface thoughts without detection so like Maybe they didn't actually get anything, but they're they're bluffing that they have oh that's a great point right. secrets yeah. um that's what they say, and Sheridan is like the genius of it is that everybody assumes that at some point in the last couple of days they accidentally like thought about the nuclear launch codes or something, <laughs> so they have to operate under the assumption that they're screwed, even though they probably don't really have much
0: right because once as soon as somebody says i know all your deepest darkest secrets the first thing you think is oh no i hope they don't know about blank right yeah so also if they didn't know it already then byron definitely could have just like yeah in in
1: the room when everybody freaks out yeah you're right
0: there's that part in i think the second episode where he's like don't he's just like saying numbers at the guy and the guy keeps thinking the code and he's like that's the code (laughs) it's the thing (laughs) i'm making him think about (laughs) it's fantastic uh Because again, it's like no effects required, like early season telepathy, early series telepathy was like uh, people are squinting really tight and and Jason Ironheart is becoming and like we need to make Uh telepaths like powerful and visible. And now it's like, no, no, just the idea of what they can do is what's really scary. Yeah. We don't need to show anything.
1: Right. The fact that they just look like normal people and they can say, oh, yeah, by the way, I know X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's pretty scary um i so i had some concerns last time that we talked about byron's switch at the end of the last episode or two episodes ago actually his sort of sudden change of heart from being the no violence guy to being the like we need to get what's ours and correct yeah i this episode softened that and made it feel like a more reasonable transition so I guess they just kind of accelerated that for the sake of having the episode ending cliffhanger. Yes, um, yeah. But yeah, he's preaching nonviolence. And I think I, I I, said what this plot needs is another telepath saying, hey, wait, like forget nonviolence. We got to you're right. We got to get what we want, blah, blah, blah. And they literally do that. <laughs> they do. Yeah. 100% that.
0: Obviously, modern perspective. I know that big asterisk, but kind of a shame that the person who's like, we should actually retaliate violently is the one black telepath. Yep. Just a bad look, guys. Like, come on. (laughs) Come on. And and that guy, he's got a really cool voice, too. He's just like, come on. I can't do his voice. He's got like a very unique (laughs) cadence, though. (laughs) Uh, I can only do our weird Zach Allen voice that we were doing before the episode.
1: Right. Lena <laughs> um yeah so I thought Byron uh, Byron they kind of move into the background of this plot especially in the second episode I feel like he's not really front and center that much
0: yeah because now it's just telepaths realizing that Byron's non-violent methods aren't getting them what they want people are breaking in what are we going to do we can retaliate however we want they decide what, to be violent
1: what do you think about this uh this telepath home world idea
0: um Again, I can't help but shake the real life parallels uh-huh. of of revolutionaries being like taking back what's theirs, and I do like there's aspects of that that I really respect, and I think that um reclaiming territory from like col- from colonists it's is like a worthwhile venture, but this isn't this never felt like colonization it more just felt like we are going back to the home world that we never got when we were ignorant back in the day um
1: yeah, it, it, and it's not even a world that's already built. It's like a, just a totally blank world.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a ostensibly from what we understand, at least, like a empty planet because mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what the we don't know what the Vorlons needed other than encounter suits, I guess.
1: Well, I don't think they're asking for the Vorlon homeworld specifically. I think they he just says like you've got a bunch of planets on the edge of your space just let us have one of those. Let us
0: have one of those. Yeah, true. They just want their space. And then so then that kind of like reminds me of early Narn Centauri stuff where it's just like let me have my place. Like you can ha- you can subjugate us, you can control us, but like give us our home world. Let us like have the place that we call ours cuz people want people want the planet that's considered theirs, right? Even if it's like a telepath planet. Wouldn't you rather as Members of the Interstellar Alliance. Like, if you're worried about the telepaths, then let them go to their homeworld and live their life, and agree yeah. to a policy of like non-intervention.
1: I don't know. That's the right. It it makes complete sense, and I think Sheridan's in the position where he's like, ah, you know, this is a good idea, but now it's an a worthwhile arc for Sheridan's character in season five to see I, I texted this to you but he's he's having the dark night feeling uh die and be a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain yeah situation where he was the guy on the right side of things uh blazing in and and not taking no for an answer and dylan literally says this to him when he says like oh the telepaths you know they're right but they're doing it in the wrong way and she said Remember when the Earth president said that to you? Right. Um,
0: There's a part earlier in this episode, I think what you're referring to, where Delenn is like, let's not like let's see things from their point of view, but like,
1: let's understand that we were them a little while ago. Exactly. And it it's this direct reminder that Goatee Sheridan (laughs) is having to make some compromises and decisions that. I think more often than not put him in the position of, of being like a rigid, authoritarian, uh, sometimes unreasonable guy. Mm-hmm. I think that he's making a couple decisions over the course of these two episodes that are not not going to go well for him.
0: It's why I, I found, um, we'll talk more about this in the second episode, but he has a line there where he's like, I feel like everything is fraying. Like, I feel like people are damned. If you do damned, if you don't like, how yeah. am I ever going to be, right. how am I ever going to not become the bad guy? And it's just, it's so that's not like how you make good policy. It's like, I hope I'm good. It's just like, you have to make the right decisions. You have to make the altruistic decisions that help people and don't harm people. But they get way more into that with his, like his conversation with Garibaldi in the second episode. So we'll get there. Yep. Okay. But um, Zach is given full clearance to use force against the telepaths, which again doesn't come back until later. Uh, except yeah. this episode ending with he comes on the loudspeaker while, By- while Byron and Lita are literally mid coitus, oh
1: and is uh, like, "Hey, yeah. hey, Lena, is this, is this thing on? Is this thing on?
0: Is this thing on? Boop, Lena, I brought that pizza again." Uh, <laughs> Uh, basically, all he says is security. You guys, you can get out while you still can. Otherwise, security is going to take action to get you out of your hiding space. Yeah. And then Byron, I had to watch this scene twice because I couldn't like hear everything he was saying because the show has bad audio mixing. But he's like, Lita, promise me that you'll do what I say and you'll leave me behind when the time comes, hmm. is the gist of what he's getting at. So I, that's why, I'm, why I was like, okay, cool, martyr. Nailed it. Got yeah, it. He's going to yeah, die. Exactly.
1: You think he's kind of planning for that, maybe?
0: Yes. Hmm. I think he's I think he's accepting it because he's like, I'm a single person and my people have already like their idea has already gone behind, gone past what I told them to do. Literally, the only action I can perform now is to die gracefully and like hopefully people see my actions posthumously in the correct way.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. yeah so we'll, he'll probably next up, right? Or next week, episode 11, he'll probably die. You think?
0: I think so. Yeah. Sooner than later, especially with how quickly they're going through this plot. But well, it's good stuff. Well, now, I'm like, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I think once it like gets into like active conflict, it's gonna it's gonna hit the brakes a little. Heck yeah, yeah, heck yeah. Lena. <laughs> 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 why is why is Zach Allen Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War? Nah. <laughs> Anya, Lita. Uh, cool, Majon. That's uh our discussion of that first one. Do you want to read some electronic mail?
1: We don't have any electronic mail. What the heck? listeners. Yeah, I know, maybe cuz we're too soon in the week, maybe I don't know, but not anything to read right now. So next week we might have some extra. Send us some stuff, folks. Your thoughts yeah. on the episodes, your questions, your your jokes.
0: Send us your jokes right. and gags. Uh Any, we have
1: Anything on the Twitter?
0: Uh I didn't uh let me double check. I shouldn't say and be wrong. I love to be right. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, I mean, yeah, we did get a comment from Danny saying uh, season five was just what this podcast needed to stay fresh—a break from all the plot-heavy <laughs> stuff and back to goofy but relevant discussions.
1: Yes, that's uh, what we love. Yeah, it's
0: the bread and butter of a good chats season. Is like this is kind of funny and kind of dumb, but also interesting. So that's where I think we—that's where I think we succeed the most. Uh, and then I posted some memes, and a lot of people were just commenting on memes that I, I posted. So nice. That's what you get if you follow at ChatsPod on Twitter. And if you want to send us emails, we will read them on this segment. That's ChatsPod at gmail.com, folks. Get there. Do it. Do it. And we're going to do it. And it is be right back after this brief (laughs) musical break to discuss a tragedy of
1: telepaths. Welcome back to Chatsalon 5. The second episode we watched this week was Season 5, Episode 10, A Tragedy of Telepaths. It was written by... J. Michael Straczynski. Whoa. (laughs) Directed by Tony Dow. It aired March 25th, 1998, and it takes place from June 16th to June 18th of 2262. Alan, what happened in a tragedy of telepaths?
0: Oh, Magellan. Oh, I'm so glad that you asked me. I don't know what accent that was, but in this episode... so was your Jakar. Malari. Malari. (laughs) Malari. In this episode, the situation between the Alliance and the telepath colony continues to deteriorate when Bester arrives on the station. Malari and
1: Jakar discover an old friend (laughs) in the Centauri
0: (laughs) royal palace. All right. Maggie, what did you think of a tragedy of telepaths?
1: You know, for an episode that's like a bridge, ostensibly mm-hmm. between, it feels like we're in a three-parter, right? Like in the kingdom of the in the kingdom of the blind was part one. This is part two, and yes. then things are going to get resolved. A classic Farscape three-parter that Babylon Five doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Um, in what is ostensibly the bridge the dark middle chapter of that three-parter uh i i liked it i thought it was pretty good as an episode yeah i think it was the most compelling of the telepath junk so far i thought lockley was cool i like lockley now
0: inconceivable
1: i know i think she's a good character Uh, i think bester is a good character uh, glad I was glad to see him, and I loved, continued to love every single thing about Lando and Jakar hanging out and living their lives and doing their thing. So I had fun with it. What about you?
0: Those beautiful boys. Yeah, I uh, I think I texted you before. Uh, you watched this episode that like I was just impressed with how well this it handled uh, all of the different plot lines. Like it feels like a really tight. 40 minutes or whatever. I think we don't give Babylon five enough credit for, uh, it's pacing. Um, Mm -hmm. generally one of the better paced sci-fi shows that I've ever watched, to be honest with you. Like it just, it balances like having a good a and B plot with like good time for people to just talk to each other and and about their ideology with, with like things happening and classic moments and all the stuff that you want out of a show like this. Uh, and this episode definitely fleshes out characters who I've been wanting to see more of like Lockley. Mm-hmm. Um uh cinematic parallel wise they they open and end on her audio logs. A classic Babylon 5 uh technique. Mm-hmm. Uh her first one is about why she took the job and th- we we're, we're getting the like kind of gratuitous sexy underwear shot except she's like jacked. So <laughs> right. Yeah. It arguably feels less like it's meant to t- like it's definitely like here to till late a little bit because like Tracy Scoggins was a pre- is a pretty lady but it's also like yeah she's just doing it. like it's just the way she starts and ends a day.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it does feel the most brazenly that Babylon 5 has ever felt about like look a lady in her underwear.
0: Right, we really don't we, we're blessed to not get that kind of thing that much on this show. Yeah. Uh but like we got, you know, Sinclair and even like early Sheridan doing stuff where it's like the last scene of them is them turning the lights off like True. I think Babylon 5 uses this technique of of showing the captain or the commander uh, at the beginning and end of the day before like the stress of, of their job hits them uh, really well. Um, she's talking about the telepath. She's talking about how, like, oh, man, people are going to have to die soon, which is a really... Yeah, that's how the like, episode ends.
1: She's like, yeah, well, here the comes the dying. The killing's going to happen tomorrow and uh, nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah, and she she also at the beginning tells Corwin... My sweet baby son, Corwin, to put, a, put in a call to a man named Alfred Bester. And you're like, wait, what? So I guess Lockley just has his phone number now. And then she just talks to him.
1: Yeah. I thought, I wasn't sure exactly. I think there were moments where I tuned out and tuned back in. So maybe you can help me understand what her sequence of events is here. Um. There's a point in the episode, so she calls Bester. She's like, "Come on in, buddy," and he says, "I will do. I will do it. Here I come." And then, in the meantime, before he gets there, she goes through the ducts, yes, to talk to Byron.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's going on there? So I think it's it's, and this is like one of my favorite things that she does in
0: this episode. Actually, is that moment of going to Byron where she says like. I'm going to leave my PPG behind. I'm going to leave my, almost like she's doing like Sheridan season two stuff where she's like, I'm going to just leave title behind. I'm just going to be a person who wants to talk (laughs) to these people uh, Mm -hmm. and treat them like people. And she's telling them in that moment, Hey, things are going to get very serious soon. This is your last chance. I'm like approaching you unarmed and you're willing, you can do whatever you want to me, but I'm letting you guys get out right now. Cause if you don't, I have people that can come in here and make you get out. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to start conflict. But, like, you guys can't stay here. This is becoming dangerous for people. Uh, Like, you're going to have to go. And then they're, like, and it's this supposed to to be, like, really triumphant moment, I guess, where Mm -hmm. she's, like, anybody who wants to go, raise your hand. And not a single person does. And she's, like, okay. And so then Bester comes on the ship. He uh, gets the drillers to continue drilling. And as things start to get violent, he... Uh, is about to leave and then he calls in the bloodhounds at the end of the episode
1: yeah so Bester
0: is now here to do his job which is scary but yeah I think like her choice to do that was more like this is the only way for me to like make this seem peaceful
1: I see okay because for a second I thought since she went to them before Bester showed up that she was going to try to play Bester or something, but then it's uh-huh. like Lock, Lockley doesn't have any reason to play Bester. So that didn't make sense, but that, that sounds right. What you just right. described.
0: Um, So she is, is trying to appeal to them, but that doesn't work out. Uh,
1: She's the only person who's really doing their job right this episode uh, pretty
0: much man i mean the drill <laughs> uh, uh, shout out to those drillers who are all trying to do their jobs and just being broken completely but uh-huh. she's the only like cast member who's like i'm here to get the people out <laughs> yeah uh we have uh sheridan speaking of people not doing their or trying to do their jobs oh my we gosh. have that that conversation i really want to talk about because it's kind of in isolation mm-hmm. but sheridan's telling garibaldi he's like i feel like it's fraying. I feel like I'm I'm holding a big rope and that all the different people, instead of trying to keep it together, are pulling at it. And it's like, it feels so simplistic of Sheridan to be like, why does everybody disagree? I hate that nobody likes each other. And it's like, don't they mm-hmm. want peace? To which Garibaldi very appropriately, I think, is like, we like why is it that we always break up our history our years of history by wars like we referred and then he does the classic sci-fi thing that we talk about
1: oh my god the remember the war of 1812 the first three world wars the the dilgar war Who, (laughs) who, who could forget the dilgar war
0: of course it's it's right up there with the war of 1812 yeah uh and he's like, yeah, people are naturally inclined towards chaos and whether or not we want it, we're always just approaching the next major conflict, which is like so deeply cynical of Garibaldi. But it's like, yeah, but you can com- make the argument pretty it easily. Comes- exactly. It comes from a really realistic point. So I yeah. like understand where he's coming from. And I think it's important for Sheridan also to realize that like you don't like peace is not about not um, like has- avoiding conflict. Like, mm-hmm. peacetime is, is often the hardest time for people in power, you know?
1: Right. I, uh, it, I'm i glad that we're back to season one Babylon 5 themes of this is why we can't have nice things.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> because be- for a while we sort of went afield and we're talking about, like, gods and and just wild stuff. And now we're back to, oh, man, people are the worst. <laughs> they Nobody wants to work with They just can't get along. <laughs>
0: And and it, we get even more of that delicious stuff where Dylan is dealing with this Drazi and Brakiri conflict that I kind of liked because mm-hmm. it it both like says like what you're talking about where it's like here's why we can't have nice things and sets up another plot line of like who is sabotaging these two ships because uh, members of the Drazi and the Brakiri are finding pieces of their own ships on their like they're finding them laid about mm-hmm. suggesting that they're being shot at like in the night and they're like that guy did it wait actually that guy did it. Sheridan points out that everyone not, it's not like you guys are both tricking each other. It's more likely that there's a third party that's trying to tear the Alliance apart. Mm -hmm. Who could that be? Probably, I guess the Drak. I guess that's also the Drak maybe.
1: Yeah. Who else?
0: Right. Yeah. The telepaths don't have a reason to just make conflict. I think it's the Drak
1: and it probably relates to whatever they're doing on Centauri prime, getting extra supplies and stuff.
0: Using their ships to destroy civilians and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the draw the, the the it's always funny to me like seeing like when we bring side characters back, I'm like, Oh my god, Farini's back, my sad, beautiful uncle. But mm-hmm. then we bring back like the Brikiri and the Drazi, and I'm like, one of you guys had the color wars in season, like in early season. <laughs> right.
1: Like, and both of you are disgusting.
0: Yeah, you're both gross. And you're then both the guy are just these perfect neutral faction in the corner like we wear masks except we're not
1: like the vorlons
0: we're cool we just hey, wear masks we are found a piece of and then uh the most like you were talking about like Sheridan living to become the villain
1: yeah this is like uh <sighs> way too on the nose but i this liked is, it
0: this is season four like we flew ships above the united states parliament or we're not the united states pentagon to like show that we're cool and he's like yeah so if you guys did stop you guys from fighting we parked white stars pointing at both sides so now you guys won't fight each other because we'll shoot whoever whoever shoots first seem good they're like no dude that's the worst <laughs> thing you could have done
1: and the drowsy response is insane but also entirely predictable where the drowsy guy says you threatened to attack us when we only wanted to defend ourselves, right. Every great fall is preceded by a huge mistake. This was this yours. Is yours. Yeah.
0: Nobody has ever said that line in a real history book, but it feels like something that you would see in like, "Oh, and then this guy said this thing," and he was, mm-hmm. like, he predicted it.:
1: When high schoolers write essays about this era, they'll describe this as a turning point <laughs>
0: <laughs> the turning
1: point in the in the
0: respect of their uh the alliance mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like cartoonishly stupid
1: not just, what are you doing guys yeah but it it's you know it's right i'm glad that the show is addressing this authoritarian streak that both Sheridan and Delenn seem to have they're both treating the peace like war
0: right they're, that's the only way they know how to handle things is like put mo- aim more guns at it yeah. And that's how we fix the problems, uh, which is a solution that doesn't, ever, I don't think, ever works. Because um, obviously, I mean, when you tell people, like, we don't trust you guys to stop fighting each other, so we are going to take the keys and, you know, hold this car over a cliff, it's like, that's bad yeah. for everybody involved. You and their, actually,
1: their attitude towards the parliamentary process, this whole. It, they they're treating it like a joke Sharon and, and Delenn treat the idea that all of the worlds have representatives they're waiting to give them like the worst information till after they leave mhm the, it doesn't feel like they're genuinely taking their feedback or their thoughts they're thinking of them as like children that they have to babysit basically exactly and that's a problem that you can't create a genuine Coalition or confederation of worlds that way.
0: It it's it's a it's a plan that that is just completely like the the uh, ambassador the Drazen ambassador said just doomed to fail. Like you're just gonna watch. I yeah. guess season, part of season five is watching the alliance make mistakes. Right. Do question for you then? Do we want to see that just happen, or do we want to see them like course correct and fix
1: that? Mm. I think I want to see them realize it. I don't think I really care if they course correct because we already know it's going to happen. True. Since we saw the future.
0: They're not going to become perfect.
1: Yeah. But and I,
0: maybe it's maybe it's about accepting that like we don't have to be perfect, but we have to keep changing.
1: I just want Sheridan to accept the fact that he's being a military dictator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And to shave the goatee off.
1: Or to add the rest of the beard back.
0: Oh, please. Please. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Give me that beard. Um, Do you want to talk more about the telepath stuff, or do you want to jump back to Centauri
1: Prime? It's up to you. I want to end on Centauri Prime. It's sort of, whenever I eat a plate, I always leave (laughs) the thing I like to eat. Oh, vegetables before the meat. <laughs> yeah. But so now we're, I mean, we just had the vegetables. That, or no, yeah, more vegetables. But these are like good vegetables. These are, yeah, we're getting, we went, that's these like the, my beans. least favorite stuff
0: and now where this is my second favorite plot of the episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, these are the green beans.
0: <laughs> Which you're like, ooh, if they salt them, get a little garlic on there, like, ooh, yummy.
1: Ooh, but like, butter them up a little bit. Yes. Yum, yum, yum. I put pepper on there. Put pepper on your green Oh, beans. that's not bad. That's not yeah. bad at all. It's not going to stick very well, but it's fun. You just gotta eat it straight, straight. Yeah, if I mean, you know, if if a bunch of green beans arrive in front of you and you have not had the chance to chef them up yourself, you can pep them up.
0: You can pe- pep it up. Pep it up. Uh, and you can also, it, you know, if a if a telepath is like Byron, maybe we should do a violence. And he's like, "How do you guys plan to do a violence?" And the guy turns around and just has a cloak full of guns. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "This is how we'll do a violence." And then Byron's like, "Bad, bad, bad, bad." Um, like I said we were saying early, earlier Lockley tries to talk to people they don't really want to get out mm-hmm. um, I really liked watching the process of the staff of Babylon 5 trying to break through the store where it's yeah. just like, like Zach Allen being like okay so here's the idea we're going to send a driller here it takes him 30 minutes to get here he's going to start drilling for about 30 minutes then the telepaths who are conveniently just standing on the other side of the wall are going to put it in his head that there's a bomb on the other side We have to send him to Medbay and it takes us thirty minutes to get another one. (laughs) Ah, it's it's very it's just like this hopeless bureaucracy happening that you're Mm -hmm. watching in motion. Right. Because the telepaths aren't gonna stop doing this. They're all just standing there, hands on the door, and every guy that every person that goes up to the door is like, There's a bomb. Yeah. And it's really dark. Like they do kind of address how dark that is, but just like that guy is never Unless like you know, Bester like undoes the thought in one person's head, but like mm-hmm. they're just gonna go the rest of their life thinking there's a bomb behind that door, yeah, and that it's going to kill them if they keep drilling. So they're all sent to med bay. Um, we keep getting this like gag of them going and coming back, and then hmm. at this point, I believe Bester comes on the ship. He's like, "Hey, hey, Lockley, thanks for cooperating. I love that we we're we're friends now." And then we get the dumbest like this is a really quick shot where there's that telepath who's like, "We should do a violence." He's spray painting the words. Oh my god. Is it Free Byron? Yes. Free, Free Byron? He's, where oh is my he? God. He's fine, you guys. He's, he's not in, This is so.
1: I was going to ask if I missed something. He wasn't imprisoned. They're nope. just talking about how that part of the ship is locked down, the part of the station is locked down. That's so how I understand it. Oh my god. They linger on the spray painting for so long. It free feels Byron. like it's a hundred years watching this guy spray paint. <laughs> I'm it yawning, makes, thinking about
0: it. It's it's the laziest use of like charged yeah. political imagery I've maybe seen on this uh, whole show.
1: Yeah, it's not like death to normals. It's not like the telepaths deserve something. It's like free... free, free Wee. Just say
0: free weedy. Just say it and mean it. I'm,
1: I'm just going to write it in Ariel, you guys. Free Byron. Yeah, just <laughs> gonna
0: comic Sans. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm
1: just gonna put this one in Times, man. Like, how funny free would that have been?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna help Vetica the fuck out of this, guys. It's okay. Just free Byron. You know, he's like, he's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the scene again. It is. I thought for some reason I thought it was free Bester, but that makes no sense. It's just this guy writing free
1: Byron. <laughs> we watched the whole thing. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it doesn't mean anything. That that's just like, hey, we're gonna use the imagery of like revolutionaries to. Like, further a point, I guess. Yeah. Um. So that's illegal. And then he's like, all right, we're going to go do a violence, you guys. Uh. Bester reversed telepathic guy to convince him there's no bomb. And he's like, put your hand on the wall. And I'm going to put my hand on your back. And then he goes, he, like, blinks. And he's like, every telepath in that room is now blocked. <laughs> and I just love <laughs> yeah. the way that, again, Bester doesn't, like, you don't have to see telepathy to know that it's cool and kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. He just has to say that. Um, then we get this like wild, like very intense scene of violence where it's like all the telepaths are now fighting people. We're talking choking people out with scarves, air kicks, drop kicks. We have a guy who is pointing a gun at someone being like, take us to the armory or die. Yeah. And give us like,
1: the codes. Give us the codes. Lindsay. We're going to put your palm on the thing or whatever
0: yeah yeah they're like we're gonna need a palm scan he's like that can be arranged and they just (laughs) move the guy six inches yeah that was easy (laughs) stupid and then you get the the, another like this is such a ridiculous plot because bester is like you know we're all the same we're all telepaths and we're all in this together and then it cuts to a telepath like shooting a guy and being like all right it's time to shoot people here we go um he's got like the higher ground so he's shooting at lockley zach and bester a bunch of people die and then they're like bester why don't you give a shit that our people die and he's like my people are fine my people are safe inside the door they're not actually being hurt at all all i care about is my people so we're starting to get the imp- the sort of impression that like bester does just want like he feels like he has ownership over those telepaths like he's just collecting what's due to him which is really fucked because they're not his they're people um Byron just has his head in his hands we get like a long shot of him just being like oh man, ah oh, jeez, ah oh, the rebels did it again I know what I gotta do uh I don't even, what does he even do at this point? oh, I think, I don't know if he does anything in this episode, I think the episode just kind of like leaves that question hanging
1: uh, yeah, I think so
0: uh, because this plot just ends with uh, Bester being like, hey guys, welcome to the ship it's the, my bloodhound friends And then Lockley gets another log where she's like, yep, here comes the dying. Dying time is now. (laughs) Hmm. It's time for dying. So people are going to die. The bloodhounds are scary. We might actually get to see some bloodhound action this episode, which is exciting. Um, And I'm almost positive that Byron is going to die next episode. Like 99.9% sure. And I haven't spoiled myself on this somehow. So Hmm. that is that plot line let's talk yeah. about the let's best talk, plot line. we episode. almost
1: forgot the best thing in it that's yeah.
0: yeah uh the centauri prime plot gets very interesting uh as we see uh jakar enjoying uh well actually first off we have londo continuing this thing of like what's going on with the centauri ships he's like why is the war material production going up even though we're in peace mm-hmm. and i wanted to be like londo that's how it works buddy that's the <laughs> military industrial complex
1: yeah, welcome we, to post uh, nineteen sixty or whatever.
0: Well, actually, Jakar does say basically that, where he's like, "Oh, you're in peace, so now you can just paint like too too safe to kill and, <laughs> on your walls, and now no money fights yeah. anymore." Like it doesn't work like that. Well, um, I,
1: I loved I loved a lot of things Jakar said in this scene. He said when Londo was like, "Yeah, when there's no war, we invest more in domestic spending," and Jakar is like, "Wow, that's so wise. Who thought of that for you?" <laughs> <laughs> so brutal and then and then um he's like maybe you're gonna invade yourselves and then he starts roasting the centauri and he's like this centauri empire like too dumb to exist or yeah whatever you said i love that and then i love the fight they get into about the spoo
0: oh the spoo is amazing is yeah. fantastic
1: jakar's like you want some spoo and then londo's like you Ew, really? Fresh fresh spoo? spoo? It's only old spoo that's good. <laughs> like
0: it needs time to cultivate its flavor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the most it's the most like purely crystallized difference of philosophy that two characters could have. Literally it's like, I like fresh made-up word. And then the other yeah. guy's like, I like old made-up word. Mm, we disagree with each other and it says everything you need to know about who we are.
0: And it says a lot about their cultures too, right? That, right. that it's almost like the Narn as a survival instinct had to like, they just came to like the, the fresh food. Cause it's what you can get. Mm. Whereas the Centauri have been resting on their laurels for so long that they prefer raw, like slightly old cultivated food. Like they're yeah, into that wine is what they're saying. Food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they use that, this is the other like reason, this is like, I don't know, My one of my favorite things Babylon 5 does, where it takes a cool idea and then makes it plot relevant. Yeah. Because Jakar realizes that he's eating fresh Spoo on Centauri Prime where nobody likes it fresh. So he's like, haha, huh, where could this have possibly come from that I stole it? Wait, Londo, where did this actually come from? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it's just very exciting. Um, I got so like hyped up as they go to investigate this and they go to the prison cell where the spoo was coming, going towards and they find an old friend. Like the summary said, it's our girl,
1: Natoth. Oh my God, I, you guys. I did not expect this to ever happen.
0: Me neither. Yeah. Uh Nata again, like the bringing thing from last episode where you're just like, Oh, that person. Oh my God. Yes.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Very cool. Well, Cause so I think like we knew like the actress changed and she came back mm-hmm. once. Is this and the
1: original actress now again?
0: Don't know. If someone wants to clarify that, let me know. But uh, she comes back and I don't remember if anyone was like, you might see her again. And so I totally didn't expect this either. Um, and this is such a, just such a tragedy, right? It's, yeah. it's It reminded me a lot of like all those stories you read about, like the Japanese internment camps after World War II. Mm, where it's just like during and after or during and after yeah uh where people would just be left on like islands to live on their own and like basically waste away because people forgot to go back and check on them Mm. um she was they when they took the narn homeworld uh was captured used as what they call entertainment but we know what that means basically unfortunately
1: yeah
0: uh and then Lando says it's a bunch of bureaucracy because Cartaccia never countermanded the order to keep her. Um, and he's, he's like really sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but he's very like, he cares a lot about defending this, this position. He's like, this is how it works. When conflict happens, things fall through the cracks. People fall through the cracks. It's fucked up. But that is the way the system works. Yeah. Like he's, he's
1: going a very long, It's, it's interesting to see, you know, we had the very long night of Lando Malari where he's kind of taking responsibility and saying he's sorry and, and dealing with that. And then here he's, there's a moment where he's back to his old, he's back on his bullshit of not taking responsibility for things and just seeking to, to defend himself and say like, this can't be my fault. I wasn't here. I was on Babylon five. I didn't know there's nothing I can do and jakar's like bro you're no. literally you're about to be emperor there is no emperor the guy who ordered this was crazy the guy who could unorder it is also crazy like can you just be a, a human being can you be a person for
0: five minutes and And do
1: something about this
0: release like the one person i trust who's still alive
1: like yeah like please jakar is like you will do something about this or you will see this palace in flames Mm -hmm. like i'm not playing with you bro (laughs) (laughs) i'm dummy serious i am dumb Uh, tight right now
0: i can see you doing the hand clap i can sense you doing the hand clap
1: um I loved that exchange between the two of them.
0: It's weirdly Londo reminds... Not weirdly, but Londo there also recalls the scene from a a recent episode where someone was like, uh, we're not responsible for what people in our history did. And it's like, yes, you are. You are allowed to change it. You can change it. You don't have to follow the rules. And none of the rules exist anymore. Just let her go, you fool.
1: I did find his anecdote charming about the guard who was told to guard the flower that stopped existing and nobody bothered to to figure out why that dude just stood there all the time.
0: Yeah. I watched that part like six times because I kept getting distracted and I was like, I can tell this is like a memorable moment. Um, But yeah, it's basically just like, there was a guard, the princess, uh, 200 years ago, the emperor's daughter assigned him to watch over the first sprouting flower of the winter and never like move from his position. And he stayed there after she died because she said never. And he just died there. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) how much does that say about the Centauri that they will take the word over like any sort of logic or like advancement at all? That's,
1: it's a really yeah. like, strong comparison. To, it's, you know? And then you see two different people, how quickly they do exactly what Londo tells them to do. Like you, you don't really see very often Londo having the kind of authority that he's had all of his life as like a no person of noble birth and being on track to being the emperor. Um, you usually see him in adversarial positions with people. And it's like, why is this dude such an entitled douche? But right. then you see the moment where the he's with the guard and he tells the guard like, hey, listen, okay, here's the plan. You're going to stop bringing her food. Got it? And the guard's like, of course. Got it. Uh, you're never going to come back here. Ever. Guard's like, y- yes, of course. sure, Sure. For of- sure. Yeah, I won't. Don't ever let anyone else come back here. No, no way. You told me, and so I won't. And in a couple days, seal off the whole hallway so it doesn't exist anymore.
0: Yes, just sir. erase her from existence.
1: Yes, sir. Okay. I'll do it without question. Um, and then the other person is the the woman who comes the woman. in. Yeah, yeah, to his room, and uh, he's like yeah, I need you to do something for me. Turn around. And she spins around. And he's like, take off your clothes. And then she just starts taking off her clothes. Uh, And then for a second, Londo and Jakar are both like, oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, And then they remember that the, <laughs> they're trying to, you know, free someone, save someone's life. And it turns out that he it's a whole disguise thing. But just the the what disturbed me was how quickly she was like yeah okay okay make it it. got it what do you want me to do and then he's like i i want your clothes and she's like oh yeah cartagia would do the same thing but i'm not your size so that's weird i had i I hate i I don't hate to be that
0: person i absolutely don't but i I had a minor problem with that line okay because it's played as a gag where she goes, ah, Emperor Cartesia, you also played this game with me, which is like, Emperor Cartesia would cross-dress, and i really, like, frustrate... That's the implication. Am I correct in that?
1: Uh, so I The implication I got is that he'd put her dress on, and then they would have sex.
0: But he would dress in women's clothes. Yeah. That's the part where I'm like, the stereotype that, like, crazy people cross-dress is the part that, like, rubs me weird. Like, oh, he's he was weird, dude. He, like, was into some weird shit. Like, dressing as, like, woman sometimes during sex. And it's, like, there's this, there's this like, implication sometimes that, like, that Cartagena and characters like him embrace a femininity that, like, normal, quote, unquote, normal people, neurotypical people, whatever you want to call them, don't ever do. And that's the part that I'm, like, Battle of Five he really, really doesn't do stuff like that that often. But it just felt like this yeah. weird like tiny gag that just rubbed me very weirdly.
1: Yeah, I guess,
0: I guess that's fair. Um... It just, it just, it just just felt strange to me because, because this is otherwise a show that is very open-minded about like, people are allowed to be what they want to be. And like your truest self is the most important person. You can be like all that stuff. That's why I'm like, Oh, in this show we're doing that. Like, I don't expect that. You know, if I watch a show from the nineties, otherwise I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for like, Joey's going to put a dress on and that's the gag. But uh, with this, I was like just surprised that they did that.
1: Um, yeah, same. I, I mean, I think the the point of it is to say, just to show that nothing is off the table, I guess, which does kind of say the same thing and stigmatizes cross-dressing, or like dressing as a different uh, gender in ways that are problematic. Mm. But at least it's not, it doesn't feel like it's a joke. But I don't... Mm. I guess it is, yeah.
0: It's 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 more just like, oh, he would do this. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Cartagena used to
1: always do this. Like, ugh, we know how yeah, he. Yeah, I guess it. that line doesn't serve any purpose, really. It's it's
0: more that it's more that than anything else. Hmm. Um, but anyways, the point of this is that Lando wants the outfit to disguise Natoth, uh, and so. He tells the guard to abandon her. He gives her the clothes. At first, she's like, "Uh, Malari, the second I get a chance to kill you, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, cool. (laughs) Literally, last episode, your main dude was like, I will never do a killing ever again to a Centauri. (laughs) But that's fine. Anyways, uh, Jakar, get anything here so she knows I'm cool. And he's like, "Natasha, he's kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. He's going to let you be free, though. That's all that matters. Uh, They sneak out. I love this sneaking out scene a lot.
1: I adored it. It was so fun.
0: You get Lando for once not being drunk. For once he's completely stone cold sober and pretending to be drunk and talking about like, isn't it great how we all we rule the world? Isn't it great how the world is ours, guys? Isn't this awesome? I love being uh, uh, yeah. the
1: best. And his his moment where he says the royal court has been trained to not see what's immoral. Like, oh, right. If we just get out there and act like we are about to do some sinning. They're gonna be, be like, like oh, I didn't see anything." Yeah,
0: uh, and so they, yeah, because sin, like sin, is like the norm in in Centauri, like uh, royal culture.
1: Yeah, it says a lot about about this sort of royal culture or like high society that it's it's just an accepted part of some of those circles that people do this. You yeah, know, they're just
0: nasty boys
1: yeah I mean I think we see a normalization of behaviors like that in in other circles in our in our world that are that have been broken down or exposed to some extent or talked about maybe more than than previously, but you think about like uh maybe i'm maybe I'm reaching beyond what the episode's trying to do, but you think about like uh the Weinstein case. And just all the people in Hollywood who, like, fully knew what he was up to and what his deal was and the stories about him and probably saw him doing things like this. Uh, And we're like, oh, let's look the other way because that is the decorum of our – the circle that we run in.
0: Right. I I don't think that's off base at all. I think uh, that's the sort of, like, modern touchstone is, like, how – banal like that kind of awfulness has become in higher in a lot of higher society and like yeah upper class society and and i think what makes Alondo a good guy in this scene is that he's like i am acknowledging that we do this and i'm using my position to help people to help people that need it
1: yeah uh yeah it's it's cool to see him kind of take advantage of the toxicity of that environment for for positive ends Exactly. um,
0: And they're just absolute boyfriends. Once they put Natath in the ship and they're like, are you going to be okay to like live on your own? And we're going to send you back. I think they send her back to the Narn Homeworld. I think that's the implication.
1: Um, I thought the transport was going to be five. But... I thought they were going to be five. And then the transport oh, was going to yeah, the right. Narn Homeworld.
0: That's how I understood it. But uh, right. you get this charming moment where Londo says, I will tell you a true thing, Jakar. Getting her out of there is the a danger. I found it most exhilarating i have also worked up quite an appetite (laughs) yeah
1: and and jakar's like i'm literally being haunted by the fact that my attache was tortured for like years maybe yeah so can you not act like this was a great fun party can you not
0: can you you don't get to now be the one who's into the spoo. That that was my gag 30 minutes ago when <laughs> yeah. we didn't think that the world was on fire. Now I'm that we know g- it is.
1: Genuinely having an existential crisis right now. <laughs> so if you're not could, going to KFC. <laughs> if you could leave this area that would be great. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh that's where I wished the episode ended and then it ended on the the Bester Bloodhound thing and I was like, "Man, this show it still has the like ten endings thing every once in a while." The
1: lingering shots on the the pod going through space out loud i was like what am i looking at why am i watching this for like a full minute yeah what is happening and then i went oh yeah i remember there was a whole telepath thing going on i forgot totally forgot
0: and then we also have to have lockley getting back into bed right and then the episode's over <laughs> Like, okay great thanks for that one five nicely done yeah, I I honestly hope that season 5 keeps this this momentum up. It's 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 getting into a really good stride now and I'm enjoying it a lot. So, yeah. Uh, I'm curious, Majon, what are we watching next week on Chatsalon 5?
1: Well, fella, let me tell you what we're watching next week, partner. 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 Uh can you believe that next week, my friend, we are passing the halfway point of season 5 of Batman No. 5. You can't believe that? Nuh-uh. What if I told you it was true?
0: Oh. uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I believe you. All right. Because it's true. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I know. Next week, we're watching the next two episodes of Season 5 of Battle on 5. First, Season 5, Episode 11, Phoenix Rising. The fight with Byron's followers gains intensity. All right?
0: Mm, okay.
1: So that'll be done soon i think and then we are watching season 5 episode 12 the ragged edge garibaldi is sent to retrieve a witness to the shipping line attacks from the drazi homeworld.
0: world mhm
1: okay sure why not
0: why not take a crazy chance uh magellan is it okay if i uh, warp us to the plug zone dimension
1: i would love for you to do that please do it <laughs>
0: If you would like to email us questions, comments, concerns that we can read on the show, send those to chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also follow us at ChatsPod on Twitter, where you'll find Babylon 5 memes, updates about the show, scheduling, Patreon updates. And what's that? Patreon? Well, yes, dear listener. If you want to support us financially and you want to get more chats goodness in your ears every single week... You can head on over to patreon.com slash chats pod and you can throw us a couple bucks. And at $5 a month, you get our full suite of bonus content, which includes the monthly commentary chats, movie commentaries. That's the biweekly chats nights where we talk about whatever. Sometimes it's listener suggested. Sometimes it's my brain, his brain. Hmm. And who knows? Hmm. And that even includes pilot chats, which at $5 a month, uh, that's our highest tier. You get all of them. And pilot chats is the show where we watch the pilot of different TV shows that people recommend to us and see if they would make for good chat uh, seasons. Yeah. Discuss why they're good or not. We just put out a double block of um, a discussion of Clone High and Duckman. Seems Heck, like if we're, yeah. we're going to do animated series, we're going to probably try to double block those. So mm-hmm. uh, next week, next episode, rather, you're going to get to hear us talk about Sense 8, another JMS uh, co-run classic. Classic from a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, if you want to get the word out about the podcast, please do rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast platform of choice. We want people to know about the chat's brand. Hmm. John, you have a chat. You have a a little snack. You want to recommend the kids something. Can you please tell them what your chat for this week is?
1: I will. So I have been uh, on a kick of wanting to learn more magic and trying to be a magic guy a little bit because of my rekindling of my Penn and Teller obsession that I talked a little bit in my and for last week. So on um, Penn's Sunday School, his podcast, there was a conversation between him and some other magicians, and they brought up a book that I'd heard about a couple times that is like a foundational card magic book. And it's called The Royal Road to Card Magic. Oh. And it was published in, uh, it was written in the late 40s, I think. And maybe the definitive edition is published in the 50s. Um, And basically the way the book is structured is it will teach you some kind of technique. And then it will be like, okay, now here's a couple tricks you can do with just that technique. And then it's like, okay, now here's the next technique. Okay, now here's a couple tricks that you can do using that and the thing that we taught you earlier. And it's like a almost 300-page book that lays out dozens of tricks and, and methods and stuff. Um, and it's cool. So if you're at all interested in, for whatever reason, learning card magic tricks, it's a good book to use for that.
0: It's called The Royal Road to Card Magic. Yeah. Very exciting.
1: Uh, what about you? What's your chatsum?
0: Uh, my chatsum is to become the assistant to a magician named Magellan and then eventually uh, achieve my goal of you cutting me in half. I'll do it, man. Oh, heck. Wait, really? Yeah, I'll do it. Wow. Okay. You, uh, <laughs> you cut me right in half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a double chatsum for this week, kind of Whoa. a triple chatsum, if you really wow. think about it. Wow. I'm a bit of a nasty boy. Uh, my first is a YouTube channel that I just started getting into, a uh, YouTube channel called Get in the Robot, which is an uh, hmm. Evangelion reference, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anime YouTube channel, which I usually hate because I watch too many anime YouTube stuff, things, and I get really tired of like that uh, sort of like style of anime YouTube, where it's just like a guy mm-hmm. telling me why One Piece is good. Yeah. but. Uh, what's good about Game of the Robot is it's a whole staff. So they like put a lot of effort into having different voices. It's a very diverse crew. Um, they have uh, a really good video that I watched. This is what got me to their channel was about uh, what Dragon Ball Z meant to young black teenagers mm. uh, and like historically how that meant and like what it's like a, depictions of various types of father figures meant uh, for people, which is really great. There's an That's episode it's really fascinating because it's like there are people who are portrayed as good people who are bad dads, and then there are people who are like not their moral fiber is not considered, but they're like the best dad. Like Piccolo is the real truest dad, mm. even though he's not Goku. Goku's mm. the worst dad. Uh, they have a whole one about queer censorship and representation in anime, as told by a queer woman. When you mm. talk about Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura and all that stuff. They have a really, another really good one about how anime in Latin America was different uh, or is different than the way it was brought to the U.S. because it was, hmm. like, way less censored, but, like, different shows got popular over there. Hmm. Um, so they have a lot of good stuff. They have a couple of, like, clickbaity things in there as a, as a heads up. It's just, like, we, we smushed My Hero Academia characters together and made their babies, which is, like, whatever. You got to get paid. But there's really good stuff on there. I definitely recommend it. The, video, the YouTube channel is called Get in the Robot. Um and then my second like small chatsum is just for the f- the mobile phone gamers out there um Apple arcade has been really what's good what's up gamers what's up gamers um Apple arcade basically Apple has this new thing where you can get a free month and then pay five dollars a month and you just get a suite of like over a hundred games for your phone your mac your ipad your whatever they're they're cross compatible from like all of the best talent on the i o s store um and you just get all those games and none of them have microtransactions and none of them like have ads or anything like that. They're just games. So it, it reminds me of like very early app store stuff where, uh, just weird games would exist. You'd pay $5 for them, play them for a week and then you'd forget about them. Mm-hmm. And I think the two that I'm really loving, cause the thing is like the, uh, the problem now is that there's so many that you're like, wait, but what's actually good? Like what's actually, they're all like, okay, but like what's worth my time? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can just download all of them. And the two that I really liked are one called Possessions, which is mm-hmm. a game where you kind of like scroll around these 3D dioramas of a room. And you are sort of like, let's say there's a floating uh, picture, a picture frame in the middle of the screen. And if you, you tilt the camera in such a way that the picture frame lands on the table where it was supposed to be, then you have completed the picture and the level is complete. So you're kind of like reassembling a diorama of like a 3D space. And it's all done by just like swiping the room around. And they use that to kind of tell a story about this space and like the people who lived in it and the family life that they had. It's all done like non-verbally. It's really creative and beautiful. Um, that one's called Possessions. So that one you can be in like a couple hours, but it's super cute and interesting. The other one I've been playing way too much of is called Pinball Wizard, which basically you play as a wizard, you're going up a tower, you play pinball. And if you fall, you go down the, t- like if you fall like through the, the paddles, you go down the tower hmm. and you're trying to get as high up on the tower as you can without dying. And you're like taking damage and hitting enemies. And it's very, again, very cute and very fun. Fun. Yeah. So Apple Arcade, it's, I usually don't recommend Apple stuff on here because why would I? But they, they did a pretty, so far like a pretty good thing. Assuming they're paying um, those developers really well. I would pretty much wholeheartedly recommend it. Nice. Nice. Yeet. geet, dude. Yeet. Cool, dude. Dude, I think that's the end of the
1: podcast. That's the end of the podcast, dude. Whoa. Thank you. Thank Easy. you. Thanks,
0: as always, to Magellan for being my co-pilot here on the show. Yeah. And thank you, dear listener, no. for listening to this episode of Salon 5.
1: Peace. Bye. Hey,
0: Lena. Lena. Lena, I'm
1: bursting. I'm bursting with love for you, Lena.
0: (laughs) Lena, I got another pizza. Lena, I gotta eat. Lena, I'm gonna be Waluigi for Halloween. Can you be Daisy?
1: Lena. Lena. (laughs) (laughs) Is it gonna be one of those episodes again? Oh, man. It better be, man. This is what people want. This is what they're paying for.
0: They're not paying for this.